You're listening to the Black Box Music Podcast with Brian and Nick, where we're talking to artists about what it's like to get your music heard in the ever-changing music industry, uh, how it is to use tools like social media and other platforms as an independent artist in a changing music business. Today we sit down with Fort Worth, Texas' very own The Vandaliers. Lead singer Josh Fleming tells us about his punk rock beginnings as a musician, all the way to being an emerging success as an Americana artist taking over the Texas music scene. Here's more from Josh now. Yeah, I am a, a 31-year-old dude from uh, Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, I've been playing music most of my life. Uh, my first show was New Year's Eve of 2000 into 2001, so hitting about 18 years now on it. Uh, I've loved playing all kinds of different music, and I've kind of found myself now in Americana. Um, and I've played you know, mostly punk music. And to me, punk rock's more of a mindset. So everything I do is punk rock. So I'm still technically in a punk rock band, but, uh, but, uh, I have progressively gotten way less punk rock as I've, uh, and aggressive as I've grown up. Um, but it's, it's helped my songwriting. And that's one of the main things I do in Vandaliers is I'm a songwriter. Uh, I've grown up kind of telling stories and not really having a place. And, once I picked up the acoustic guitar and put down the the heavily distorted electric guitar, uh, I got to focus on the stories a little bit more, and that's when people really started listening. So that's really great. Tell me, um, tell me about your influences from from the punk rock days. Uh, like I said, I'm like 31, so like my first show was Blink 182, Bad Religion, and Phoenix TX. Uh, my sister got in trouble with my dad. My dad punished her by making her take me, which then ruined my fucking life. Um, and, <laughs> and so, you know, I dived into a lot of like the Epitaph Punk and Hellcat Records stuff, you know, freshman year, I was just telling my wife last night that freshman year was kind of my peak punk rock. Uh, I was really into Minor Threat. I was really into the Misfits. I was obsessed with The Clash. I was obsessed with everything from street punk, gutter punk stuff to like all the pop punk stuff that I liked as like a child. Um... But then I, I ended up starting a ska band. Um, and so from there, like, I played with, like, Toasters, Streetlight Manifesto, um, Real Big Fish, Less Than Jake, all that. That was when I was, like, 16. Uh, Did you ever get into Operation Ivy? Oh, Operation Ivy's, like, yeah. I mean, Rancid. <laughs> so Vandaliers, uh, Spotify, year-end, came back. and was like, Rancid was your number one thing. Therefore, my manager was like, we can't share this because – that's not a country artist. <laughs> but yeah, Operation Ivy, yeah, that, that greatest hits where all their EPs are put together, that was in my Walkman for years. Yeah, it's pretty much a rite of passage for any musician in their youth to explore punk rock, really, you know? And, uh, and if you really break it down, punk rock is really the same chord structures as country just slowed down. That's what I'm saying, y'all. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, rebellious music uh, is is what gets me going, you know, like, whether it's, you know, Ramones, one, two, three, four, uh, you know, 
Bob Dylan protest songs from the 60s. Uh, mm -hmm. Or, you know, Johnny Paycheck, you can take this job and shove it. All, yeah. all of them are the same essence, you know? Uh, and Danger. Yeah, you always set out to kind of make the music that your parents don't want you uh, their parents don't want their daughters dating a guy who sings in those kind of bands. Well, I mean, you all, we all know the guy that doesn't like dangerous music. Everybody has that friend, you know, who listens to like... His name is Yanni. He made a career out of it and goes by Yanni. Yeah, you know, like, well, even even just like in rock music, like Steely Dan is badass, but it is not dangerous, you know? It's complicated. It's music. It's beautiful. Uh, sure. Beach Boys, like, not dangerous, Gorgeous, wonderful music. 90% mm -hmm. of indie rock is not dangerous. Um, doesn't make it any less great. Um, but, like, I always kind of liked the danger side of it, you know? Um, and country music is chock full of it. So when I turned, what, 26, uh, my last punk rock band had self-destructed in a cocaine-fueled uh, explosion of instruments, thus ending our band three songs into our last show. Uh, and I was like, fuck it. I'm going to try something else. And so, and when you, so, so yeah, that's a good segue. So take us to the to Vandaliers, and, and you guys are doing music. When did that start? When did the band start? From that transition. So 2015... I made Americinda, which was uh, a collection of songs that were either songs that my last band didn't want to do, like Runaway Sons and Simon Says, uh, along with uh, a plethora of songs I wrote like over a weekend because I was just like, oh, fuck, I get it. And then just like wrote everything down. And so I had like 25 songs and I picked like, I don't know, like eight of those and uh, a couple of the other ones that I just really loved that were story-based, and I called my friend John Pedigo, who was friends with my wife, and a lot of these songs, and I backstep, a lot of these songs are love songs to my wife. That's kind of what got me moving towards something okay. a lot less, you know, pissed off. Um, mm -hmm. Still talking about getting drunk and riding motorcycles and stuff. But at the same <laughs> time, at the very essence of it, it was just me trying to communicate to my wife how much I appreciate her. Uh, I'm, sure she, I'm sure she's into that. And she liked it. And it worked. Uh, and thank God, because we weren't married yet. And we, 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 you know, then I proposed. So it worked out. Uh, can always get a yes on a proposal when you write an album about a girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love you, girl. You were my man. <laughs> um, Once you guys started taking the band serious, you got it together. You guys had some songs. Yeah. Yeah, so I so I contact John Pedigo. He lets me go to his home studio. We track out all the songs that I got, and then we start putting a band together. I've been in a band for a long time. I call all my friends up, and I'm like, "Do you just want to be a part of this? I have no idea if this is going to work or not." Um, and I don't, I don't really have any expectation. And if we are talking about like um, how to grow as an artist and as a creative, stop expecting anything. Just create. Your best work's going to come out when you aren't worried about it being a Spotify playlist hit or a radio single, which the radio really doesn't exist other than small pockets of radio, you know? So yeah. none of that shit matters anymore. 
Like make a 10 minute song. If you want to make a 10 minute song, make a two minute and 30 second song, three minutes and three seconds, whatever, you know, if that's the song, but just serve the song. So make music for the sake of art. instead of the sake of Look, uh, most people with day jobs have two jobs. Like it's okay. Like you're going to be fine. Everybody's broke. Don't expect to be famous just because you wrote a song. Uh, and then you'll write better songs. Um, so I wrote songs not expecting anything. I didn't expect to play shows. I didn't expect to go on tour. I didn't expect anything. All I did was I had these songs. I really love them. I'd like to see them all the way through. I'd like to make, I'd like to have it a, re a record. And so we finished the record and I book a, a, a release show because I'm like, well, I don't want to be, if I'm going to do it, and if I'm going to like play this show, I want it to be at like a festival or something. Cause I, this is an outdoor band. There's like trumpets and it's a six piece band. I don't want to be shoved in a smoky 100 cat bar. I want to, you know, just fucking do it. And so I got on this festival and we played on a, on, in a parking lot in deep Ellum, Texas, in deep Ellum in Dallas. And you know, people showed up. I was like, Oh, that's a great neighborhood. Though. I love that neighborhood. It's Trees lounge used to be there. It's still there. Yeah. Excellent. Still there. Great. It's, it's, it's bigger than ever right now. But at the time it was just coming back. So they were still able to have like parking lot parties at like what used to be the gypsy ballroom. Do you remember that place? Yeah. I love that place. Okay. So it, it is gone and that that's a fucking bummer, but it was really run down by the end of it and no one wanted to put any more money into it, which sucks. But Ooh. they, uh, it used to be called the door before it closed for good. And uh, they would do this thing called Big Falcon Festival and like all the Americana, some country, not a lot, and folk bands would play there. And since this was folk tinged, I called them up and I was like, hey, can I play this thing? Like, I'll open. I don't give a fuck. You know, I just want to see if this band's fun. Uh, and we played our first show and like people showed up. The parking lot was, there were people in it. Uh, it wasn't sold out by any means, but I mean, it was like a hundred people. And going from a band that like drew hundred people at the end of it to starting with a hundred people. That was really cool. Heck yeah. So I wanted to try it again. And so I made stickers and I booked the next show. And all the while I have a full album being recorded. Um, second show, uh, the opening band has a fiddle player that I fell in love with cause he's fucking crazy. And his name's Travis Curry. And I told him he was in the wrong band. And so he joined my band after I headlined and he liked our show. And, you know, again, like a lot of these people who were in the band were just my friends from other bands. So like we all know each other and shit. So we're all talking to each other and we're going to each other's shows too. Cause they're still in like three other bands. Cause this band is not a real band. It doesn't even have t-shirts yet. Um, is that the definition of a band? We have to have t-shirts. Hey, yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah, the that's benchmark. Let me go. Let me go on, gentlemen. Where? Where? I, I, I booked the third show, uh, and we opened for a red dirt guy um, named Mike Ryan, and you know he has like billions of fucking streams, and it, we were lucky enough to get on the bill. Uh, but I knew the bass player from high school, so you know, at the end of the day, use your fucking network. Uh, and I was like, hey, can we play the show? I'm going to got this band. And for that show, I made t-shirts. And, you know, the second show that I made stickers at, all the stickers left, and we brought 120 people, you know, in Fort Worth, which is my hometown. 
And so that was like cool. And that's when I really started noticing like, oh, maybe this is like good. Because I mean, we were terrible live, but people were still having fun because we hadn't figured it out yet. We were still just like a drunken mess on stage. Um, but it was really fun, you know, and people were having a good time and people wanted to know more and they wanted to hear music and they wanted to dance. And, you know, if that's, you're- that's really cool. So so that's the, the like origin story of it. That's that's great. Yeah. Um, so. And and I'm I'm sure there's a bunch in between there that that um, the nuance is, do, are people paying attention and are you doing it even if no one was paying attention is really what I'm yeah. like yeah yeah when you start making you know when you start making your band go and stuff just look out in the crowd like just because it's empty is that's fine like if you're in a town you've never been to and it's empty fuck I mean that's just how it goes but if you're looking out in the crowd and you're in your and you gotta play. To an empty room, just as if it was packed room. You got, you know, give everybody who did show up the best show you can give, and that's results and results and more people coming. It results in word of mouth and I know, kind of more old school kind of growing. And and that's one of the things I really like about your story thus far is like the stickers, the T-shirts, and kind of the organic engagement as opposed to today where. You know, you, you you can pretty much build an audience on social media and become a band after you have a following. And, yeah, but are you going to sell a ticket? I don't know. Um, you can you can do those things, but there's a lot of people who have giant numbers who don't draw shit. You know, like yeah, because they're they're from Biola. Um, so let's transition to that. Like, how do you how, how do you guys? think about your social media what do you what do you use it for what's the intention of it and um you know let us in that uh i love the way social media like i finally figured out a little thing about social media and it's different content per you know interface right yeah so yeah. Like, twitter is for funny quips and bitching about something yeah words yeah but not just words you can't tell somebody about your show on twitter no one gives a fuck about your show on twitter they want to know your opinion on twitter Mm, interesting that's what that that forum is for is opinion you're right like i'm not going on there and being like playing in missoula tonight can't wait to see you it's more like dalton domino's uh new record is badass and you can kiss my ass and then it's like you know then people talk about it um but i would never say that on facebook yeah. <laughs> you know like facebook is informational you know that's where people are going because they just heard you on a spotify playlist or something like that and they're like uh who what is this band where are they from what are they doing where can i see them what's going on you know have they yeah. You know, is there any new content coming out? Like what, how do I catch up? You know? And mm-hmm. then also within that, and we're, we're lucky enough for this and it's at a very small scale, but our fans have become, you know, dedicated enough to us to start a fan group on Facebook. So now they're just interacting with each other about us, which is fucking weird and awesome and I love them and we interact with them too. It's humbling because you're just like, oh my God, somebody cares about my music enough to make a fan page. You know? Even, even if there's fifty people on there, that's fifty diehards. You know what I mean? Like 
I never even thought I'd make a song that anyone would give a shit about, let alone make a fan group for me. So that's really cool. And like, that's what Facebook is really about. And like how you interact on Facebook is really important. Like if you just post something from like one of those bullshit group things, that's like, make this music industry thing easy. Like you'll be famous in no time. And it's like, We'll post on your Twitter, your uh, Facebook, and your Instagram with one post. It just doesn't work like that. Like you have to spend time on it. Like, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. Everyone has its own thing, and that's what makes those each platform unique, right? Like, I'm sure you're about to get to Instagram, and Instagram's got yeah. its own. It's it's more visual. You have to have a decent eye catching something visual they can grab onto, and then they might read what what even, the caption. Even more. Even more important with Instagram, like it's not for posters. It's interaction. It's your day to day. Like as much as a personal Facebook is about an individual person's day to day, an Instagram for a band and an individual artist is more about the day to day. Like stories are really important. It shows people talking about you and also you talking to them. And like just, and it's really not that hard. Like, and I'm terrible at it, but it's really not, I'm trying to get better at it. Like on our next doors, I'm really like, uh, going to work on my stories because really people just want you to hold the camera on so they can see what, what you're doing. You don't even have to say anything. They just want to see that you're doing shit, you know, and that excites them because, you know, some people, uh, are super lucky in other realms. Like they get to have kids and have a day job and have this, you know, consistent, you know, uh, uh, check come in the mail. And then other people are you know, like me who are very fortunate are, you know, having to, we're traveling the country randomly and maybe somebody feels escapism and they want to see into that, you know, and that's, and that's something that like is really, really cool. So we try to get our fan base involved with our travel. Cause I mean, you're sitting on the road for like six hours, you know, all they want to see is your shitty little van, you know? So you show your little van and you're like, Hey, we're on our way to school or whatever. Right. Things have changed and progressed. You know, I mean, I, I come from the space of back when there was these places called record stores where people used to go and actually buy uh, your media, but those don't exist because I go in there and I play my little silly songs. Um, you know, they do exist. the The cool thing about Instagram too is like the interaction. Like, if you're not commenting on other people's stuff, your page isn't going to bring a lot of traction. And like, that's one thing I can say about Corey, my trumpet player, is that dude is a whiz on Instagram because he like just talks to everybody all day, you know? And like, just like you're talking about with record stores where people are picking up music and stuff, like everybody just wants to interact with you. And that's what Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are really there for is interaction. Absolutely. So what's your, so you're, so I gather you put a lot of time into your, your social media game and it's a part of what you guys do and it's a part of the, the whole thing, right? Well, I mean, it's, it's a tool for us to interact with our fans. I don't think we were going out one day and waking up and being like, you know what we got to study Instagram, you know, I think we wanted, we were just like starting to get traction, you know, where the, like, I don't know, people cared what, what we were doing. Um, you know, and you, you, you get on there and like somebody's, Somebody from, I don't know, like, I just got a message from Uganda, you know, like, what kind of crazy shit is that? Like, so, of course, I want to know. 
person. And so yeah. I asked him, I'm like, hey, man, thanks for listening to my music. What? How did you find me in Uganda? And like, that's just a, a little blip of what Instagram and social media is really for. It's just human interaction. Have you heard of uh, Boomplay? I have not, but I'll write that down. Boomplay is, a, is an African, it's basically Spotify for Africa. Cool. Uh, and like it, it, where I'm sure most of the distributors put it, put music there now, CD baby, just, I, I get their like weekly emails, you know, and they, they had uh, mentioned that the other day. I think uh, uh, Wyclef Jean, Jean, Jean Wyclef. The, from- I would say Jean, but like, I, again, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a white guy from Texas, so I mispronounce everything all the time. Yeah, but, but he put a bunch of money into, I think that company, there's a lot of, you know, just to divert, like there's a lot going into Africa because there's a ton of people there and yeah, they, all, they all have smartphones now, you know? So isn't that the next frontier, you know, like, I think uh, it is. Yeah. once they get done fighting over it, I'm sure something's great's going to happen there. Uh, the, uh, I would love to hear that. And I, I want to see, I'm getting to go to Europe for the first time in my entire life. Uh, oh, exactly. I, we're going out there in June and July and cool. uh, we get to play these cool festivals with like some of my favorite bands, man, like social distortions, headlining one, the blasters are headlining that same one with us probably in a smaller stage. Um, but I get to see social D and, uh, in uh, wherever we, we're going to be. Uh, and then I like Lucinda Williams and drive by truckers are playing this other festival. Um, and I get to play Sherwood Forest, which as a Robin Hood nut, I'm pretty stoked about. So, there you go. That's um, cool. Very cool. So let me ask you this. So when you're working on new music, do you guys, you know, with Spotify being a place or, you know, any streaming service now being a platform where you could throw out a single, yeah. um, you know, some artists think um, put a single out see how it reacts before you put another one out. But other artists have the mentality of album artists. I want to, I want a, a piece of music that tells a story start to finish. Every song goes to the same party and there's a group of songs, you know, 10 to 12 songs. Do you, when you're writing, do you think, Oh, I just wrote a great hit song. Let me get it out there right now. Or are you more like, cool, that's one song down. Let's get nine more. and We've got an album. Uh, both. Uh, so that's an acceptable answer. Yeah. Like, so today we released a single on Rolling Stone premiered it and it comes out on Spotify tomorrow. It's uh, a, this morning. Yeah. That's great. Congrats. Congrats. Yeah. It's a cover though. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm. of a a mega song, but we just do it really fun. And I, I thought it'd be a cool thing. And it's been about a year since our last album came out. So while we're working on our next album, but I was single um, for that like tomorrow. Right. I'm going to be. Yes. From the proclaimers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like it. It's fun. It was really fun. And it fit our band. Our band's really, really hard to find covers for. Cause if we go to country, like it doesn't sound right. And if we go to punk rock, it doesn't sound right. It's just a fine line. Um, the, uh, it, there's a lot of nuance to the question though. Like, what are you making the album for? Uh, if it's, for you or what are you writing for? If it's for you and you alone and you don't care, uh, if, if anyone ever hears it, you just writing it, turn the page and write another one, you know? Um, 
if you're writing for a record and you wrote a song and you think it's fucking great and you feel it deep down in your bones and you're like, this is a really special song. I can't wait for somebody to hear this. I hope a lot of people hear this. Turn the page and write another one. Um, yeah. You know, I, I've been taunted by the same advice I've been given. I'm giving right now by a lot of different people. But really the trick to the whole thing is, is just keep writing, you know? Uh, like I just finished writing this record, uh, this, this upcoming record. And I'm, I really like it. And I even got to co-write with some people that like, I think are really, really brilliant. Um, but like now that that's done and I'm about, you know, X amount of time away from recording it. Now I'm thinking about writing another record. You know yeah. What? So, so I'll stop you on that, on this upcoming record and just we'll dig in on there. So you haven't recorded yet? No. To do okay cool and then so what would the plan be for what are you thinking about for release like how do you i guess a better question is when you release and it was where brian was going is when you release a record how do you imagine you do it like what's the what's the um, best way to get the most out of that release from like fan base from promotion all that kind of thing how does how did josh release is uh, what do you want out of it like if you want to release it and just put it out in the world and see if it works cool but well, yeah I mean, specifically what do you want what do i want i i want a publicist i want a label i want distribution i want uh marketing uh posters and licensing <laughs> so are you so so of those things what it what are you doing to get there? Um, I right didn't. Re I didn't release it myself, and I didn't put it on the internet. I made a hundred CDs. And I sold them at my shows so I could build a fan base, and I kept numbers of. I kept a spreadsheet of every show that I played, who I played with, where it was, how much I made, how many people showed up, and then as those numbers. Kept, I kept sending it to labels and booking agents and managers because, you know, I, back to my story, we made the t-shirts and we played with Mike Ryan and all that stuff. And we played really good that night. And the record started doing well because I made a hundred CDs and in the first show that hundred CDs sold out. So I made another hundred CDs sold out and another hundred CDs sold out. And by that time we were, uh, I, I got a call back from a local label in Dallas um, who wanted to re-release the record, put it out on all the digital fronts, all those things. Gave me a PR campaign. Was that gave, Bloodshot? No, that was State Fair Records. That was okay. the first label. Uh, and they bought us a van. And I got an agent at Atomic Music Group. And I got a, ma I got a manager in Nashville. And it was all because I didn't put it on fucking Spotify. <laughs> like, and I made a spreadsheet and I got an LLC. And so what I did is I showed people that I'm a, I am a business minded person. If you loan me money, uh, you're making an investment instead of a charity case. Um, yeah, that's a great way to look at it. You know, I'm, I, the state recognizes me as a company, you know, and I'm moving forward. Uh, because I didn't need the internet to make a fan base. People were coming to my shows. 
Um, and so I just and that's one of the benefits of being a live band that that you know other yeah. other genres don't have. Yeah, uh, which is a shame because that's really where the money is right now. Um, like I could play in Texas and never leave. Also, I could play in Texas and not have a label and never leave. Like we have our own economy, we have our own radio, but you know, like. Like for this genre of music, there was a lot of growth. It, it, you yeah. know, granted, not like at an EDM level. You know what I mean? Which is brilliant. And thank God that music exists. It's so cool that kids can make re like a record for no money and not have to have a band, don't have to play live, don't have to do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's yeah. so cool. But I play guitar, so I got to go. It's 2020, man. I got to go all the way back to the 90s, into the 70s, into the 60s, into the 20s style of business. And so Americana is really cool. There's a, a, a structure and an economy there that I wasn't aware of, but I became aware of once people started coming to my shows. And I realized that they have their own venues. They have their own agents. They have their own publicists. They have their own labels. They have their own radio. They have their own playlists on Spotify, all that stuff. But the so main, you, so you just ended up finding finding something that really worked for you, without I, knowing that that it existed. You just did what you wanted to do. You did what you liked, and I wrote a record, yeah. and then and I when I figured out what I wanted the record to do for me, I gave it every shot it could actually take. Because again, like. 2015 that's 15 years of playing music you know um live in a band going for it you know full blast and it wasn't until i really like relaxed and just kind of like let things happen you know and i have high functioning anxiety if you can't tell uh so like that's really hard for me like the moment i the moment I, i'm done with something i want to show somebody but like mm -hmm. when State Fair Records came calling us, I had a music video fully produced that I didn't release. I had a bio written by a guy who writes for Rolling Stone that I didn't use. I had a bunch of content that I was selling the label or, you know, or asking the label for a, an, an investment because a label is just a business loan, you know? It's a bank that essentially loans money to musicians because a real bank would never do that, you know? Um, so I went to a label and I asked for a business loan and I showed them why that business loan was a good idea. And uh, through that, I made a great relationship with State Fair. I constantly send artists to that label. They are a great label and they are wonderful and they are super hardworking. And, and what did you, what, where, so you're on a different label now. Right. Yeah. So here goes. Okay. So another nuance. Uh, you know, I want. I will always be writing music, and I will. And if I'm in a band that likes my songs and they want to play my songs, they will always have a song to play because I love writing. Um, so I wrote another record, and it was called The Native. And State Fair put it out, and that's really what they wanted. They wanted the next record, and so John Pettigo produced again. We, you know. Went, went to a studio in town uh, that had a great vibe. Uh, it's where like Willie Nelson's Redhead Stranger was recorded. 
Um, right. You know, and so there was a there was a story there. Everything's going cool. The songs were the best songs I ever wrote at the time. You know, um, there was a concept behind it. There was art was being made for art's sake. Fuck yeah. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And then we release it on State Fair. And it's the first time I've been in Rolling Stone. Uh, it was the first time that uh, people looked at my record and like No Depression put it on a best of list. You know, we're talking about a, a band that has like 1200 likes on Facebook at this point. And then that grows to 3000 pretty fucking quick. Um, and this is my first time to have a real publicist, you know, going after it. Um, what was your experience with that publicist? Rob baby boy, the real deal. He's amazing. <laughs> He's like, he does Charlie Crockett. He does, Jamie Lynn Wilson, he does so many art. I mean, like, he does so many artists now. And when we started working with him, we met him through Jamie Wyatt, who is fantastic. If you love old country music, she's so good. Uh, and Rob Krauser at Record Media is Brooklyn based. Uh, he is one of the sweetest dudes I've ever met. And this is what I found out about publicists they work with music they like, not people they like, you know? Like, I'm sure Rob likes me well enough alone, but if uh, I send him a record that he doesn't like, he's not going to work it, you know? So I was very, very fortunate that he... That's, that's a good kind of publicist. There is, there's people that will take your money and put it out to their to their uh, spreadsheet email list and, uh, you know, say that, that they're working. Yeah. So you found a good one. That's cool. You know, the, like... You were, you were in, like, the big rock world and stuff, so those spreadsheets are pretty long, so it's kind of hard to have those tight knit relationships. But in Americana, there's, I swear to God, there's only like 10,000 people in the industry, you know, like you'd be surprised, like how quickly, if you know one person, you know, everybody kind of thing. And Rob is just a sweet dude who can walk into a room and no one's going to be mad about it. You know? So we get to, he ends up liking the record. And so he works the record and we get, a publicist that knows what the fuck he's doing. So our numbers go up. Uh, Native gets added to a playlist. Uh, you know, and if you look at our Spotify numbers, they're not very high. You know, they're like 100,000, you know, still, which is fine. Like, I don't care. Like, no. none, of this, none of this is for numbers yet, you know, until somebody, you know, really knows what, you know, until something bangs and goes crazy. Like, it's not about the numbers. Um. But he just really liked the record, so he started working it. And then people like John from Rolling Stone, who just wrote about us today, like, he only writes about us because he likes us. You know, he likes the music. He's a fan. And, like, that's crazy. Like, playing for him in, in uh, at South By last year, he was in the middle of the fucking crowd and then came up to me afterwards and told me who he was, and I was just, like, mind blown. It's like the music editor for Rolling Stone Country is in my fucking pit. You know, crazy. Uh, so the native works. It does well. We, we do a couple of, you know, small in TV stuff. We get on a tour with the old 97s uh, on the East Coast and the West Coast. Agents doing pretty fine. Managers 
digging it. We, we've, we're on to our second manager at this point. We're with Alex Torres, who is still a dear friend of mine. And I love him to death and he is so good. And he does really, really great work in this, in this industry. Um, but at the end of it, uh, our record got sent to bloodshot by the old 97s. Um, Philip and Ken and Rhett told them like, Hey, this band is really good. You guys should go see him. And Alex got really busy and needed to work. Our record cycle was over. So our manager kind of let us go do other things. You know, um, he was starting a label and getting busy. Our agent kind of flubbed. So we ended up losing our agent. And then State Fair was kind of in this like, ah, our contract's up kind of thing. And so we were in a real weird pickle and the bloodshot stuff just kind of came out of nowhere. You know, right, right when I thought like, oh man, this is where the band ends, you know, fun's over. Um, Bloodshot calls and uh, they want us to play their South by showcase. So we said, yes, Uh, we went down to South by and we played our fucking asses off, like harder than anything, just because it might've been our last chance, you know, to keep Mm -hmm. being and keep living this really fun stressful beautiful life you know um and to keep doing what we have utilized our entire life doing is just playing music and writing songs and performing live and they loved it and they offered us you know in full cliche fashion we went and had a lunch meeting and they offered us a deal uh i didn't sign it there obviously fantastic but that was cool um and you know jump down the line, uh, get another manager, fire other manager, find right team. I went to an Americana Fest, which is in Nashville every year. It's really fun, and it really shows you how small and tight-knit the thing is, but also how big it is because there's yeah. a lot of listeners. But industry-wise, you know, it's all a bunch of, you know, dudes and ladies walking around who just love music, you know. None of us are mega rich, but, you know, we get by fine you know there's a there's an economy there everybody's working and everybody's having fun and everybody loves music and uh there we interviewed a bunch of fucking people about booking and stuff but we ended up with back at atomic with uh uh jonathan knight who i knew from my punk rock days and he is a punk rock booking agent who just so happens to like americana and then i ended up with him came nate schoenfeldt who's my manager now and will be my manager forever or the foreseeable future because I love him so much and he's so brilliant. Uh, he's he's an EDM guy, (laughs) you know, like he has DJs that play like hundred thousand festival things, you know, and I feel like we're kind of his hot rod, you know, like doesn't run all the time, but sure is fun type thing. Uh, it's not, I don't mean, yeah, I don't mean to cut you off, but I think that's – so you built a team. You, you did a good job of, of spending yeah. time finding the right, the right people. The it's right – you are the right agencies. It's the right agent, and it's not the right management company. It's the right manager. Just find people who care about you, love your music, and then, you know, if they're not stealing everything that you're making, work with them, you know? That's that's where I was going with that. It's like we yeah, went- no, that's yeah. that's i was actually gonna gonna ask you something similar so 
you know, we're going to wrap up here and um, give you a chance to tell people where, where they can find you. But if, you know, you seem to come out like with, with a good way of, of sort of putting things in it and then like framing it as advice. If you were to give other, you know, other up and coming musicians, a couple words of wisdom, what, what do you think, uh, how could you sum up your experience and, and, and pass that on to them? Uh, no means no, maybe means no. And yes means maybe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I see where you're going with that. But, uh, um, it, look, if somebody, Let's say if you're listening to this podcast, you're serious about your musical career and you've add, you've, you've taken away a musical journey and added career to it. Therefore, you're looking for money in business and commerce and all that stuff, right? Yeah. So let's get past the artist bullshit. If you're going to work with somebody and you want them to work with you and you're sending the email to that agent and they go, no. Never talk to them again and don't take it personally. Just move on. If you email that same, a different agent and they say, maybe take that as a no, but follow up. And then if you get some guy that promises you the world and everything in it, and then it doesn't follow through, that's because things aren't simple. It takes a lot of hard work from the individual and if you're, if you're in a band and you're lucky enough to have people who believe in you and follow you into this, you know, gauntlet of a career choice, take care of them because you wouldn't be there without them. Uh, and yeah, great advice. Great advice. You know, and make sure that you take care of yourself too. You know, like don't rip anyone off. This entire thing is based on relationships, no matter what genre. Like if you're a fucking asshole and everybody has a bad day, we're not talking about that. I'm just saying like, if you're a fucking asshole and you're ripping people off, you're hurting people, you're getting drunk every night, playing like shit. Five people are in, in there, in your club and you bitch about it. And then the next night, 500 people are there and you're having a great time. You're not meant for this industry. Like you will fail. But if you're not, you know, if you're not and you're having a good time and you're grateful that you get to make up essentially a job and live it and work in it and you're an entrepreneur and you are creative and you love the people you're around and people love you back, ah, you're going to have a great time. That's great. That's great, man. Um, well, how can people find you? Uh, I made up a word and it's called Vandaliers, uh, V-A-N-D-O-L-I-E-R-S. If you type that into Google, you will find me immediately. Excellent. Excellent. That's great. Well, Josh. Hey, we had a great time talking to you, but what we really love to do for our audience here is um, send them out with a track of your choice. Um, anything that, uh, I mean, we have our favorites here in the black box offices, but uh, what are you promoting and what do you want people to hear? as a first impression? Uh, we've talked about my musical journey and my career. Uh, I think 16 years pretty much sums that up. So try that. <laughs>